Welcome to a life well lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette, CPM Certified Portfolio Manager and Founder of Orca Wealth Management. In this podcast, he will provide some clarity in setting goals needed to build, preserve, and transfer wealth and overcome some of life's financial obstacles. Ken provides actionable steps to help you plan through your financial ups and downs in a way everyone can understand. Join us on this journey where Ken will explore many financial avenues, drawing from his three decades of experience in helping others avoid risking a lifetime's worth of work and savings by not having a plan and a strategy in place. Now, on to the show. Welcome to A Life Well Lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Orca Wealth Management and Ken Olette. Today in this episode, we'll be discussing an often overlooked aspect of retirement, transitioning from savings to spending. Hi, Ken. <laughs> Welcome, Don. Good morning. What do we got? We got episode, uh, this is like 22 or 23. So, man, we're getting in the realm of uh, like Rich Roll and Jocko Wellnick here with these. That, those are some big names. <laughs> yeah, I think they're in the, or Rogan, isn't he like uh a thousandth episode or something like that. <laughs> well, we have ways to go in, yeah, in many areas. <laughs> we're building. <laughs> yeah, today's uh, today is a uh, a pretty exciting topic because um, yeah, you're going to be living this one here in about three years, right? You retire in three years. Well, that is the plan. I am hopeful. We are hopeful. It's a it's an interesting time, isn't it? When it comes down to the end, after you work so hard a whole life, and you're just used to putting away, putting away savings, watching it grow, watching it grow, and and just kind of oh, it hit this number, oh, it hit this number, and then it's like you don't add to it anymore, and it's like well, it didn't really grow as much as I thought. Yeah, yeah. So or or, or you hope it had grown as much as you thought. So that's <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that, that's really what we're going to talk about. We've got a couple different sections here. So uh, I'm thinking. Um, maybe a little shifting of mindsets because that's what you just alluded to, you know, just you're basically uh, setting toward the goal. And then all of a sudden the goal is now achieved and now you're transitioning to the retirement or the distribution side. So that's kind of a shifting mindset. And I thought we'd talk about embracing experiences and personal growth, how that's important. Uh, and then the freedom to live on your terms. Um, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. How's that sound? It sounds great. Now, I know for my wife and I that uh, and she's going to re probably retire first, and I'll probably work another year or so after. I think that's um, it's the way it's going to work out for us financially. And uh, so I'll be able to help her make that transition shift. Yeah. 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 I think that's important. I mean, by and large, it's rare that you see both husband and spouse or partner uh, retire at the, at the exact same time. Sometimes it does happen that, um, you know, they've done a lot, a lot of planning and and even if there's an age discrepancy between the two parties, they just decide, okay, at this point we're going to retire. But more often, I see one of the um, one of the the partners uh, doesn't work um, and stops working, and then the other one continues to work until their to their goals are set. So, so we, you you're you're not alone in that, and and that helps in that transition period, going from a saver investor mindset to a uh, distribute distributing uh, mindset where you're you're actually spending down the assets. Now, Ken, you've been what in doing this financial stuff for maybe 100 200 years now and <laughs> you've probably like seen maybe one or two people go through this phase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, you know, I've been blessed to have a handful of people uh transition them through that chapter in their life and it's 
by far one of the most rewarding experiences that we do uh, as a financial professional. I mean, when you see the work that somebody's put in, the diligence, the discipline, and then, um, you know, they, they finally get to realize the payoff uh, of being able to retire and feeling comfortable about it. That, that to me, I mean, th th there's two milestones that I really look forward to in this career that are the ultimate. And that is, and one is, one is an, the most unfortunate, right, is the, uh, is the passing of a client. Um, but the two milestones that I really gear towards is retirement, when the person is confident that they can meet that retirement and they go into it just with, um, you know, eyes wide open, and a lot of optimism. And number two is, um, you know, I've, I've been, um, around for like you, Ed, you mentioned feels like a hundred years, but 30 some years that I've seen some clients, you know, um, depart, move on, right. Uh, die. And that we met all of their goals during their life period and in retirement. And they left with, with typically a nice amount to leave to, to their loved ones as well. So those are the two most um, really bookends for me in this career and that are important. And um, you're coming up on the first one, which is, you know, ideally uh, the one that we like to plan the most for and really, uh, really get you set. So you can, you can have that optimistic attitude going into it. It, it is kind of like a game to me, and I don't know if it's a proper way of looking at it, but, you know, you have all these different buckets. You want to see if you can get this amount, this, this, and this, and, you know, then you do the Monte Carlo roll and just kind of say, well, what do we got? Is it going to work? Do I have an 80% chance of making it to what I want? And and I don't know. I mean, to change transition from the game to spending, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, don't know. I, I suppose it'd be easy. I, I don't really know. I mean, you know, it, it, you know. You're you're right that it can some people can can look at it as a game. I don't know. Have you watched the Netflix series Squid Games? I have seen it and heard of it, but I have not watched it. So the the premise is it's kind of interesting. It's a it's made in Korea, but but it's kind of interesting is that they get these people in a room and um and the last person standing gets, you know, four or five million dollars, everybody else dies. <laughs> so that's the okay. premise that's short end. So yes financial planning is gain. You can gamify the system, but much like squid games, if you don't get the game, right, the consequences are pretty severe. <laughs> right? Ouch. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to die, but you're just going to be able to, you're just going to have to work forever or live a really substandard life. Um, so the, the, what, how, whatever it takes that individual to get engaged in the retirement planning process, I don't care if they have to, feel like it's a game or they have to feel like they're uh, anything to get them motivated to do it because it, it I'll tell you, it, it's, it's oftentimes even the most successful of people, it is difficult to get them to sit down to do the proper planning for retirement. But yet, you know, you've probably heard this said before, people will plan their, their week vacation over the summer or over the holiday Christmas season um, to more in-depth and more engaged process than they will the retirement which lasts a lifetime now you you're, you're throwing out a little stoicness right there how people are willing so willing to bicker over ten dollars but yet they'll give up five hours talking to their neighbor when time yeah. is the most valuable thing they have right right and so we want to we want to ideally use that time um through the retirement planning process in an, in an efficient and good way. So that way the planning's done, you know, what needs to be done. You, you hitting your benchmarks. And so then when that day comes, which we have thought out, planned out and, and back tested 
to be able to see if that is going to be the case that those monies are going to last for long for, for as long as you're in retirement, um, which typically is your, your um, mortality table lifespan, which we figure now is somewhere second to die of about 97, 98, if you can believe it. Um, wow. So, that's yeah. It's a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people don't realize that you're going to be probably retired longer than you work. Well, I like that aspect too. It sounds let good. That, let that sink in. So, yeah. So that's why these shifting mindsets are so important. So you alluded to it. You're going to be able to take a year and be able to transition your wife, Paula, um, towards retirement. Right. So you'll be able to. Yes. Ease, yeah. So you're going to retire first and then she'll follow. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. No, so, no, no. She'll retire first and I'll follow. Okay. So she's going to retire and you're going to be, her lifestyle is going to change because she's been, she's been a, a, what we call the rise and grind type of person, right? She gets up early. She's been going to work, been doing this for 40 years, 33 years at 33 the same years. place, same place, same time. Now there's going to, that alarm clock's going to go off on that Monday and her body and mind and soul are going to say, okay, I've got to get up and do something. And she's every day become, I, I, I joke with my wife when my wife just got a job working as a school teacher, but she was at a, a stay at home mom and kind of raising the kids. And I used to joke with her, I go, you know, every day, Saturday for you, you know, every day, every day is Saturday or Sunday for you, you know, and, and it was. And so she's going to, your Paula's going to have to transition to every day, kind of feeling like a Saturday. And what does that look like? It takes a while to transition. And so she'll have to find out and you'll have to help her with that. I know that uh, when she works at home on Fridays, that she's always waiting for me to get back off work. So that way we can go do something. And yeah. And so it's, it'd be interesting for that, for her to experience that. And it'd be good for her too, though. She'll have to fill that void. And, and I've had the experience of seeing clients, some fill that void very, very, very well. And some really struggle and are aimless for, for a, a while. I mean, I, some of them really go back to work, uh, not because they need it financially. It's because psychologically they just, they, they just haven't planned what they're going to life's going to look like after they retire. Yeah. I don't think Paula is going to be the type to pick up like knitting or uh, any hobbies or anything like that. She's, she's a worker. Well, you so. guys have to have that discussion now. What does it, you know, you're going to, that alarm clock's going to go off on a Monday and you're not going to have to answer it. You can hit the snooze. What, what's the rest of the week going to look like for you? What, what do you want to accomplish? What are your yep. goals? You know, is it uh, some people it's, it's, helping out charitably other people it's doing more things with the grandkids are planning one you know fitness uh uh getting into clubs events you know it it has to be something because you know watching daytime tv all day yeah. it's not a good retirement well it'll be easier i say that lightheartedly when we're both retired then we can go do things together because we enjoy our walks we enjoy traveling and things like that but uh the first year or so when it's just her um i believe that i think she'll pick up a second job or not a second just another job just so she can stay busy and and stay active and then sure yeah that's my that's what i was thinking and and she's actually made mention of that too so i think that's probably where she's going to go because that is that's a whole void of time that you just uh yeah what am i going to do so we got the mindset thing. We're, we're kind of, we've discussed how, you know, you're going to have to have that transition period and um, you know, what that's going to look like and things of that nature. So, you know, and we want to, 
we want to really can that's kind of the personal growth side because there's going to be that's the retirement side should be a time for you and all those things that you've wanted to do not what you know was demanded of you by your employer so that's mm-hmm. kind of key right yes yeah and so with that being said so with the, the mindset also now we it takes a different turn and then you have to do not only the personal growth mindset of the alarm going off and then you have to make those adjustments that you don't have to go to work anymore but also huh. maybe as important is the the spending mindset right because you've been in this accumulation phase for 30 40 years and now you're on the distribution phase and what does that look like that's a good point <laughs> i mean <laughs> well i mean isn't it just you're looking at your buckets and you're just kind of like you want to yeah i have no idea yeah those buckets those buckets aren't going to grow at the same rate that they were doing when you were when you were accumulating and you're putting you know, uh, 10% of your salary and savings, because you're not going to be doing that anymore. You're not going to be saving anymore. You're going to be spending. So those buckets, they're going to look like they got small holes in them. Yeah. Right. That, that's an analogy that I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And they, and they do, they have small holes in them that, that you're filling up your own glasses to be able to, to do things with, instead of just, you know, taking a, a hose and filling those things up throughout the decades. So we need to re- prepare for that. And I can tell you, um, you know, I've had conversations with clients that have been with me for 20, 25 years. And, and you know, they still remember the high watermark on their on their statement from 20 years ago when they were in the accumulation phase. And they they even after 20 years, it's been a hard adjustment to be able to see the value kind of staying stable or going maybe down a little bit because that's by design to to distribute those monies to you while you live so you can do stuff with them. Now, do you see people actually like spending more or less or the same in your experience oh, when they great, retire? Great question. Very, very material question. So they, yeah, straightforward. I mean, cause I know what my, I know what I spend now monthly, we spend and everything and it's like, okay, do I plan for more? <laughs> you know, right. what's the, what, what do people do? Yeah. By and large, everybody plans for a different spending pattern when they retire. I hear both both sides of the spectrum. Well, when I retire, I am going to, you know, want to spend this much on these vacations and do this. And then I get those that say, well, when I retire, I'm only going to need 70 or 80% of my present income because I'm going to curve back my spending. Well, there is what's called an equilibrium and people find a spending equilibrium where it doesn't not, and I've had both sides of the, of the, of the coin, right? So I had one lady who, um, was basically a a secretary her entire life. So her husband took care of all the finances. She didn't know that they had substantial resources put away. I mean, they lived very frugally. He passed away. All of a sudden this was thrust in her lap and she realized that she had $5 million, (laughs) right? Well, she was used to living off of at this time, this is back in the um, mid nineties. She was used to living off of, you know, 35, 40,000 a year. Yeah. So to go from 35 to 40,000 a year to say, okay, Hey, you can spend, you know, um, you, you don't have any living children. So you, you want to, to be able to maximize what you want to do. You can spend, you know, a hundred, 200,000 a year, if you like, if you so desire. Well, it took me a better part of a decade just to be able to get her to go on trips, to be <laughs> able to spend above that 35. Cause she was so set in her ways. Yeah. Right? That's one side. And the other side, I've had people that we've done the planning 
we've got a rock solid plan. And then, you know, their daughter's getting married for the third time and they want to give their daughter 50,000 for the wedding. And I'm like, well, that's not in the spending profile. If you give the 50,000 for your daughter's third wedding, you know, they're eventually going to have to pay that back to you at some point when you're 85 or 90. What yeah. is the likelihood of that? That none, none. Right. So you get both sides of the spectrum where people, but the equilibrium is there. And so that's an important point, Don. Do you know what your equilibrium is? I would have to say it's where we're at currently. Okay, I mean, it's just, that's that. what we've been doing. It's, it's just, you know, it just, it just seems naturally. We don't, we don't go out that often. We don't do a few things. We do like a vacation now and then. And so, I mean, I would say it would be our status quo where we're at now. And how do you see your funding in retirement being able to support that in a plus or minus area? I would think it would be a plus for the first few years. And then okay. after a while, we'll want to stay home with the grandkids. We'd probably be spending a lot less. That'd be my thought. So your feeling is that you guys are in a pretty comfortable position to maybe, in fact, have a buffer to be able to to maybe increase spending a little bit. I would think and I would hope in the first part, yes. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So we'll get that sometimes too, that people will say, well, I'm going to spend a lot in 60, 70, but in 80, 90, I'm going to spend less. And my, my uh, understanding of that and what I have seen is that those costs, those expenses just transition to different areas. So, what? yeah. So, you know, you can guess what those are, right? Well, if I'm getting 80, I'm supposed you're going to say healthcare. Right. Yeah. You're gonna, oh. Yeah. You're going to spend more on, on those doctor visits, therapies, um, you know, medicines. It just, it, it, there's always something out there to, 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 to depart you from your dollar bills. And it seems mm -hmm. like particularly in America. So the, the it just kind of transitions to the fun of travel, to the, to the, the, mm -hmm. the fun of doctor visits traveling. And I got to get on that treadmill today. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's critical. <laughs> so excellent. So we, we've kind of discussed those transitionary periods. And so what, what, what else do you think Don would be a big uh, transition from going from the saving to the distribution that, that you've thought about spoken with Paula, that might be a, a concern for you? Well, healthcare was one because we were also retiring earlier before we can get on any Medicare or anything like that. So yeah, we have to pay for our insurances. So That's what do you have one. to do? So you've budgeted that and you've you've investigated it and you know what the cost is going to be for that bridge from from 60 to 65. It's in the spreadsheet. It's in the spreadsheet. Good. Yep. Yeah, because that's you know, I that's funny because that is a large, large bone of contention with most people, regardless of echo social uh circumstances, it always boils down to these costs of of healthcare between bridging to Medicare. Mm -hmm. and, um it is, well, I can tell you, I mean, one of the reasons my wife, she, she ended up getting the teaching job was we were paying 1900 a month and we had a $10,000 deductible, mm -hmm. 1900 wow. a month with a $10,000 deductible. So we would never eat up the deductible. So we just paid up, we paid out of pocket expenses all the time and we yeah. $1,900 a month. So that is a major, major, major cost. Mm -hmm. between 60 to 65 for those that are going to retire early. And it has to be budgeted for and planned for. Well, what I see a lot of people too, is they just work, you know, half time or something just to pay for their health care. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, you've got, 
you know, the social security uh, credit system, there's, there's depending on when the person's worked, how much they've worked, you know, that, that has to be thought out. There's a, there's a great planning tool and I'm sure that you've used it. You can get a hold of the social security administration. You can find out what your payouts will be at, at predicated dates. And um, I know that we've done that for you. And so that's something that, that people need to take advantage of too, so they can put that in their planning. Uh, that's my third bucket. <laughs> the third bucket. Yeah. And the, the one that could have the biggest hole in it. <laughs> no one <laughs> intended. <laughs> right. Uh, well, as far as everything else though, I mean, we want to travel, we want to come around, but we have the healthcare. So that's a bigger one that may actually make me keep working for a bit more. But, um, I just think that, uh, you know, the golden years selling the house, maybe moving into a retirement place. Where we don't have to care about anything anymore. It, yeah. It's just going to be a fun time of year, but, uh, exciting. Yeah. For those listeners out there that are, that a lot of my clients either have parents that are, you know, in the years that are, that are, could be eligible for those retirement planning places or those retirement homes, they call them. Uh, you know, I've had so many clients that have gone into those, those places. And one thing I've learned, and this is part of that, that spending in your golden years is that one, 100% of them that, that really tossed and turned and really felt it was a, they were giving up something. It's like giving up your driver's license or your car. Oh, they were so afraid to go into these retirement type of villas. Um, every single one of them said they wish they would have went in earlier. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've had clients go in as early as, you know, upper sixties, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to as late as nineties. And, and, um, th there, there's a lot of, uh, of freedom associated with that. It's what it's the opposite of what you think there would be lack of freedom because mm -hmm. you're giving up your house and things of like that, but you actually gain freedom by going to these, the, the, some of these places. Now on the other side of that too, is my father-in-law, um, they moved into a, they bought a house, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a whole area, not area, but it's a whole acre uh, land area. That's all retirement people. Yeah. And so everyone takes care of themselves, but they all have their own houses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they also have a community section where you can move into that later on transition to where you need more help. Or, and, and I think it's just awesome because they're enjoying living in their own house still, yet yeah. they have the security of, hey, I haven't seen Joe Bob in a week or, you know, a day. Or, and so they have people checking in on them all the time. Yeah. I always counsel my clients if they, when, when they'll bring it up to me, because usually it, it, they'll bring it up as a financial question. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, this, we've been, look, we, you know, one of our friends did this and we've been looking at it and it would cost this much. How does that look? And, and then when I get that inclination that they're thinking that way, I always try, you know, by a case by case uh, situation, I always try to, to encourage them because I've seen when people wait too long. So if you wait too long and you become, you have a health issue, you're, it kind of tightens the noose on the places that you can go to, mm -hmm. right? It kind of tightens the circle. Yeah. That, so you're limited to maybe places that um, are more institutional. If you have any type of memory issues that come about down the road. Now, typically if you, if you're in sound health now and then those things happen, they let you stay. Right. But mm -hmm. they're more resistant to taking new patients or new, new um, people uh, that have existing conditions that might require a lot of intensive care. So 
you you, you kind of lose the ability to be able to pick and choose the best of the places, the nicest, like those, like the place that you're referring to excellent choice. But if you were, um, severely diabetic or you had, um, memory or dementia issues, um, start yeah. to happen, Alzheimer's early, early onset Alzheimer's, that wouldn't really, that, that would, that would be an option that you wouldn't be able to take more than likely. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you get limited, but if you go in, then, then you can transition to in the, within the, the, the building there. So, uh, yeah, I always encourage that. I think that's going to be a good option just for us because we see it as a way that you can still travel and do whatever you want, but yeah. you, you know, and yeah. And the bigger thing too, is we just don't want to be a burden on our kids and our, when we get older. Yeah. I mean, Besides being the pain in the butt. You know, <laughs> I, I, I look at it as like, all right, you can eat socially with people if you want to, right. Mm -hmm. A gathering, or you can cook your own meals at home. If you want to be social, you can be social. If you don't want to be social, you don't. What happens, you know, oftentimes is that, you know, and COVID really taught this with the isolation issue, even with youth. So mm -hmm. it's even even greatly exasperated with, with the retiree population. So if you've lost a spouse, you're a single person, the isolation can be crippling. And these, these type of homes, which are, you know, you have to judge them each on its own merit, but they can provide a lot of options to defeat that isolation that uh, is, is really as troubling as any disease, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've, uh, you've read a lot of survey or not surveys, but a lot of different, um, uh, what, am I, what word am I looking for? Uh, different, uh, tests, not tests, but huh? anyway, where they've done different, uh, why, what's the word I'm looking for, Ken, uh, where they've actually found that community living, things like that does enhances your health so much that overall you're going to live longer. Yeah. Oh, without question, without question. I see them. I, I, and I see it in my own practice. You know, the people that are the most socially engaged seem to do the best. You know, yeah. I've had, I've had 55 year old clients that, um, that weren't as a good a shape as 95 year olds. And mm -hmm. then, and then I've had uh, that I've had 95 year olds that were, you know, just as shape and socially aware and as optimistic and just, you know, eating up life uh, that like 45 year olds. So, there's there's something to that it really is uh it's important even the multi-generational households seem to everyone seems to live longer and, and laugh and be happier yeah yeah and that's a, just a great example of you know you work your whole life and if you have a chance to help out your grandkids and things like that that'd be that'd be a fun way of using your your wealth in the end yeah so with that let's kind of make it come full circle as we wrap this up and let's look at one of the things that we have to do prior to that retirement transition is be able to make sure that you have all of your, what, what is it saying? All your ducks in a row, right? So we use a lot of planning processes. Um, I think Don, you and I spoke about Monte Carlo uh, analysis. That sounds like yeah. an um, exotic casino in a James Bond movie, but really what it is, is basically testing market scenarios over the last hundred years, back testing your portfolio, your investment, your allocation with your goals and then spitting out outcomes and probabilities. And so when we do that, we can look at all of the goals, hopes, dreams that you have, your existing assets, and we can get uh, a pretty scalpeled approach to the to the outcomes of what what they look like and the probabilities of success. So if you're if we've done that and your probabilities come out at a, at a high level, we have a lot of confidence. So if we do that process and your probabilities come out with a low probability, we've got some work to do. And it's better to do that work earlier than it is later. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Always. 
you know, and, and just to gauge expectation, you know, you don't want to have somebody expect to be able to travel the world every year. Yeah. Um, well, and that's my question too, Ken. So let's say, you know, we've retired another five years down the line, 10 years down the line. We kind of say, Hey, do you, do you check in with you? Well, of course you are. I guess you would. Do you check in with your clients and say, Hey, let's look another, do you do evaluations every year or every 10 years or because yeah. I mean, there should be a change because, okay, the market's shifted. We're going to change and do this. And am I right or wrong on that one? Yeah. Good point. I mean, so I have, <laughs> there's a joke and we, we, we have this ability where you can go in and you can do scenarios. Right. And so I have some of the most hands-off clients in the world. And then I have some of the most scenario based clients. <laughs> in the world. I have some, some I have on this show right now that I believe do scenarios four to five times a day. Plan, plan for everything. <laughs> for you, the listener, a scenario would be, uh, if I spend this and I want to do this, if I want to buy this RV, this boat, and I want to plug this in, and then we run them the analysis on it, how does it do to my probabilities and my outcome? What does it look like 10, 20, 30 years down the road? Exactly. I want to spend X amount of money for the first five years, then change it to Y amount of money for two more years. And then in the final end, I want to go do Z. And will I make it? And I have above 80 to 90% chance of making it. Exactly. So I have people that do those so much that it, <laughs> I have to go in and clean up our envision and our money guide pros just to be able to, because there's so many different changes. Um, and, but that's good. Uh, you can get, because you can, it, it just makes it easy. It's like a little, a little fortune teller, right? You can go in there and, and see, okay, if, if I buy this RV, what's the ramifications? What does this mean for my retirement income over the next 20, 30 years? And exactly. it will tell you. And so, that that's just one more thing that we can do that adds confidence uh, to your planning process. And it, and it, everything in planning, everything you do has a repercussion, either positive or negative. And so we just want to be able to, the last thing I would ever want is for a client to be 15, 20 years in retirement for me to say, Oh, you know, um, we didn't plan for that. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize, you know, um, well, and that, with that, that's why you have to be, I have to be that upfront with your, with you. So yeah, you want your clients to say, you know, I'm thinking about this and you could, we could all laugh and say, well, that might work. Yeah. And we, and we monitor, right. Um, so when the client, so, so when we get together with a client, there's, there's really a 50, 50 responsibility. All right. I'm telling them what the portfolio can do, what it can provide them, what income it can provide them. And their promise, and that's my promise to them, that I'm going to do the best to, re, to to get these outcomes. Their promise to me is they're going to do their best to stay within those outcomes. They're going to spend this amount in their... So if one part of that process, one party of that process, since it's a two-person process, doesn't do their end of the bargain, um, it's going to reflect in the data. And so we're always looking at the data and and that is through our, our planning process, which allows us to do that. So when we meet quarterly, semi-annually, and minimum annually, we review where we're at on that plan. So if the plan is below the watermark, it's either their fault or my fault, right? Because there's only two variables, what they said they were going to do, spending, and what I said I was going to do, growing. Um, and so if it's below what our projections are, it's a conversation point. We need to talk about what part, what part is not working here. 
And I, and ideally kind of though, you'd want to just go straight to after retirement. You want all, you don't want too many variables in there. Or no, do you? Well, you can, you can have as many variables as you like, as long as it's consistent within the plan. Mm. So you're, you're a king of variables. You like to do run variables. Uh, you like to run scenarios, which are variables. And so as long as they're consistent with within the spending of the plan and you have a proper buffer. And what I'm saying buffer is that maybe you have an overage of assets to what you're going to spend. That gives you a cushion. Mm -hmm. right? So typically scenarios eat into that cushion. As long as they don't eat into it too much where it's going to affect the 20 and 30 year distribution of income, mm -hmm. those scenarios are fine. It, it's still within the means, the plan. It, We're still on the green. This is still, a, this is a side thing I've always wondered too. What, uh, what about, I mean, let's say I don't need to take a full 4% or 5% or whatever I'm drawing. Mm -hmm. You just let that roll? Yeah, yeah. We put it on the back end side. So that's a good point. So when we plan, it gets a little bit on the technical side. We'll do a planning podcast just on this. But we want to keep you between 75 and 90 probability. All right. And everybody else says, well, why don't I want to be at 100? Well, yeah. because to your point, if you're spending a lot less than what the portfolio provides, you might go above 90. That's going to create an unintended circumstance. And when I say that, either you're sacrificing too much for today or for tomorrow, for today, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to put away as much. Okay. Or number two, you're going to have an estate planning process or issue down the road. You're going to leave more money behind than you want to. And so that has to be planned for. So if you want to maximize what you're spending, you don't want to be above 90, right? You certainly don't want to be below 75 continually if you can help yeah. it. Um, but, you know, 90 can be just as problematic. Yeah, on the other extreme. Living, yeah, it could be the other extreme. You're like the lady who who was used to living off 40000 a year and couldn't adjust to 75 because she didn't want to go on trips because she just didn't feel comfortable. That's mm -hmm. no way to live, right? If you're you're just, you're sacrificing something for a means down the road that you don't have to. So yeah, it, it's, it can be a problem too. Well, the incredible journey that we've been on to get to retirement is 27 months away for us, roughly. And yeah, it's gonna uh, be, I think what's going to be fun is, is doing this podcast over the next three years with you. Yeah. And just, It'd be like the Truman show on podcast. <laughs> yeah, seeing your anxiety ramp up as that day comes. And um, just to see, just to live, you can kind of give tidbit to the listener who will be going through a very similar process. Um, everybody goes through it, hopefully. Um, and then you, you'll be able to, to to add some little tidbits and some concerns, and we'll hopefully we'll be able to address them in this podcast. <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun, Ken. Thank you for having me as again. That's yeah. always fun. And you get to listen to me ramble on about, I meant uh, not thinking about what, uh, anyway. Exactly. That's what fi financial planning is all about ramblings and getting getting those ramblings down to a coherent statement and a plan. And that's why I have you around. Well, thanks. <laughs> so Ken, if anyone wanted to get a hold of you to talk about some of these things that we've been talking about here or just in general to find out information about Orca Wealth, how would they do that? Well, the best place is um, website, obviously, Orca Wealth Management, O-R-C-A-W-E-A-L-T-H.com, orcawealth.com. Uh, or they can reach me by my cell phone, 727-741-6077. And um, 
yeah, I mean, those are the two best. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, and I post these podcasts on there as well as just little bits, of, tidbits of information that um, I think are useful or, I mean, are useful to me. So I'm hoping that they'll be useful to my clientele. But uh, I can be reached at Orca Wealth there as well. Awesome. Thank you, Ken, for your time today. And I, I've had a good time. I hope you have as well. And I hope the listeners at home have enjoyed us talking about the shifting of the mindset and retirement years, spending in your golden years with Orca Wealth and Ken Olette. Have a great day, Ken. Thanks, you too, Don. Thank you for listening to A Life Well Lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette CPM. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Orca Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Orca Wealth Management, LLC does not provide legal or tax advice. Clients should seek the advice of a qualified attorney or accountant as necessary.